What's the matter with me, Piggy Podcast? You are tuned into the What's the Matter with Me Podcast. Greetings. Welcome in. This is the What's the Matter with Me Podcast. Shoutouts. I tried to quit. I didn't try to even quit. I just thought about it and I got reassured. I got reassured by the listeners enough to enact serious change in society, I guess. I wanted to give a shout out to Slurdy Bartfist who loves the production I made. The production is all over. KFJC this year I'll just make a note to play some here you check this out I made this all on my own saying you like what's the matter with me podcast check out this other thing I made on my own it's like 30 seconds okay here We're going to go back now live with Adam Waltz, who's down at O'Reilly's on Lake Avenue, who actually has a witness um, to let us know firsthand exactly what was going on down there earlier this evening. Adam? That's right. That's right, Julie. I'm I'm standing next to Efren, who is an employee who was in the store when the armed robbery happened. Efren, what was going on in your head when the man walked in with a gun? Okay. What I need is to donate to kfjc.org. That's right. That was like something I made, okay? There. There, there it was. Hey, also something else I made. I don't want to get too far before I give a shout out and bow down and pay homage at the throne of Hoppin' Hot Sauce. The jingle is the thingle. Hoppin' hot sauce, it's the best hot sauce. Hoppin' hot sauce, it's the best sauce in the world. The world, I'm telling you. That's what people are saying. It's been a cool week. We went to Yoshi's and saw Kurt Elling, and that was cool. Kurt Elling super blue with Charlie Hunter. And it's just kind of like an organ trio. Charlie Hunter plays this far out guitar that he makes himself where the top strings, top couple strings are bass and the bottom strings are guitar. So he kind of plays it with the thumb on the bass. So it's kind of like a slap bass. Almost. He goes there. And then with the fingers, he also picks out on the guitar. So it's like he's playing a combo bass and guitar. And Yoshi's is cool. It's very accessible. So it was cool to go see a show there. Yeah, Yoshi's is very accessible. There was another dude in a wheelchair there. They put you right at the easiest table to get in and out of. So it's easy to get out of the show. And it's 
easy to get in, I guess. Because you're in the first seat, kind of. So you just leave or come out. It's cool. Yoshi Super Blue, Kurt Elling, he's a jazz singer. So it's like got this cabaret. He's like a motor mouth. It's got this cabaret vibe. And it's kind of like, it's cheesy. It's full on cheesy. But it's hilarious. There's like constant cracking jokes. And then singing. He's a great singer. And every tune he's got. I turned to my wife early in the show. And I was like, at a show where the singer is the headlining headlines the show every tune there's going to be scatting you know in a jazz show they like trade fours you know the one guy they'll trade fours and the one guy one person will play music and then the other person will play it back on their instrument and this in this show you have the vocalist kind of almost taking on a saxophone type tone and the drummer playing the rhythm and it was pretty cool and it was cool to see a guy with this voice going with the drummer the percussion and it, it was a really cool show Kurt Elling is a talented singer. It was fun to see the show. I, You know, I had that thing where I only go to see masters. And I was like, you know, this guy is like a jazz singer in a way that has got to be witnessed. And plus, he's got Charlie Hunter with him. And Charlie Hunter... I remember being like 14 or 15 and he came to San Jose and I remember listening to him play. He played at the agenda, but he also got a ticket for jaywalking. They wrote him a ticket and he vowed he would never return to San Jose. So that's like a 1993, 94 San Jose story. So I saw, I, I, the agenda had its windows open and I just hang out outside and listen because I was too young to get in. So I just listened to it because you could hear it stand right outside. And I also saw him with my parents, with my parents, we went to Kumbua, Kumbua in Santa Cruz and saw Charlie Hunter trio plus a saxophonist. Wait, I think Charlie Hunter trio just had Charlie Hunter, a saxophonist and the drummer. He played, and so I got Charlie Hunter's Wikipedia And he went to Berkeley High. He took lessons from Joe Satriani. He moved to Paris. He was busking. He came back to San Francisco playing that seven-string guitar I'm talking about 
with the top string is bass and also organ he played apparently in Michael Franti's The Disposable Heroes of Hypocrisy. Like that's like a San Francisco god. Michael Franti was spearhead in 1992. Disposable Heroes of Hypocrisy open for you too on Zoo TV. Okay, on his debut album, Charlie Hunter Trio in 93, he played seven-string guitar with Dave Ellis on saxophone and Jay Lane on drums. He played in T.J. Kirk. That's a band. That's a cool band, T.J. Kirk. We used to have that and listen to it in the morning while we were making breakfast. So Super Blue was cool. Kurt Elling singing like a percussionist. The percussionist like a singer. It was great. So where we at? Shout out to Slardy Barfest who loves the production. Shout out to Jersey Girl. She wrote me and she was like, let's do a blind musicians special. And I like that. I've been trying to put together a disabled musicians special. Like everything from like Beethoven. Beethoven. Isn't there that dude in Athens, Georgia? Isn't the Mountain Goats? Let me, I'm going to have to. Okay, the Mountain Goats. I'm not coming up with the disabled person. I've got to, obviously, I've got to do more work on the Disabled Musician Special. Rolling Kirk. There's a lot of blind musicians. Oh, that's what she wants to do, blind musician special. Duh. I think she's she's on to something. Because there's lots of blind blues and jazz. Stevie Wonder. Blind Lemon Jefferson. Who's that ancient Zydeco? He, that ancient Zydeco. Blind Uncle Gaspard. That, I have that record. It's pretty great. I have this record on the water's edge by Blind. Whoa. Just played it by accident. Um. This record on the water's edge by Blind Uncle Gaspard and Delma Lachney. And it's Zydeco singing, guitar, violin, fiddle, you know, and it's pretty good. It's off of 78. It came out on Mississippi Records. And you might as well find it online. On the water's edge. It's old 78s of Zydeco. We listened to it at dinner. There's plenty of blind Zydeco. Blind Blake. Blues. I think that's a good idea. Blind musician special. I think I will get into that. I'm going to get back to KFJC when I get my wheelchair lift on my car that we'll we'll get to that how that worked out later in the episode 
Gotta do that blind musicians special. Also, shout out to Nathan, Mary, Timmy, and Butters who wrote in to let me know it was my 200th episode. I guess this is my 201st episode. Pretty cool. And also, shout out to the Sandman who said, it's good and reassuring that AI cannot describe your show. Your show is about a specific human experience. I am glad that AI does not understand that yet. It means we still have time. So freaky stuff from the Sandman, right? Sandman's on some freaky deaky. Whoa. We still have time. I read this piece in the New York Times. It's time to rethink the Americans with Disabilities Act. So this was opinion. It came out October 4th. It's time to rethink the uh, Americans with Disabilities Act by Evelyn Clark a lawyer in Washington, D.C. Basically, it's kind of about rethinking how right now the onus is on disabled people to sue businesses. It's, it's So that's kind of the ADA workaround so the federal government doesn't have to be responsible for enforcement. But it kind of sets up these. The Supreme Court on Wednesday will hear a case that could hear reading the article. The Supreme Court on Wednesday will hear a case that could shape the future of the Americans with Disabilities Act. The case originated when Deborah Lawfer, who has multiple sclerosis and uses a wheelchair, filed a lawsuit in 2020 claiming that the Coast Village Inn and Cottages in Maine violated her rights under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Her case states that The hotel didn't fulfill its legal obligations to provide information about the accessibility of its accommodations. That, the lawsuit argues, put the hotel out of compliance with the ADA's reservations rule, which requires hotels to post information about accessibility features like the availability of larger bathrooms to accommodate a wheelchair on their website. The company that owned the hotel argues that Ms. Lawfer, who lives in Florida, had no right to sue because she never intended to visit the hotel. She described herself as an ADA tester. And her lawsuit against the Coast Village Inn and Cottages is one of hundreds of such lawsuits she has filed against businesses citing the act. The question before the Supreme Court is whether Ms. Lawfer has standing to bring the lawsuit. 
skipping down. I am a lawyer. I also use a wheelchair. I remain conflicted personally and professionally in this case. On the one hand, standing requires a concrete injury, something I'm not entirely convinced Ms. Lawfer has suffered. On the other, private lawsuits are currently necessary for people with disabilities to achieve equal access to businesses, public spaces, and places of employment. Too many U.S. media reports have vilified people who use the ADA to enforce accessibility or to recover settlements, referring to them as crybabies and calling their lawyers unethical. But the Justice Department itself says that private suits are an essential complement to the federal government's enforcement of the ADA. Society owes a great deal to disability rights advocates who fought for the enactment of the ADA, which opened up America's public spaces and infrastructure to a swath of the population that had long been denied access. But more than 30 years later, my hope is that today's hearing will provide an opportunity to revisit the law for the sake of benefiting the disability community and businesses alike. Too much of the burden of compliance is placed on disabled citizens filing lawsuit to gain access to businesses. This could be a moment to rethink the ADA's framework. The Justice Department could take a larger role in enforcing the law, and Congress could amend the statute to give businesses a window to correct violations. Skipping down to the conclusion, people with disabilities are already burdened enough. We are burdened with the task of enforcing a federal statute that requires lengthy and expensive lawsuits without guarantee of remedy. We are burdened by the stigma of these lawsuits and the societal narrative that people with disabilities are always looking for a handout, despite the good work that some of these tester lawsuits may do. Adding a notice and cure period to the ADA and robust federal enforcement of the law would go a long way toward combating those burdens. We deserve the right of equal access without the stigma. So I definitely, because I like to go to restaurants and I like to go in my wheelchair, Sometimes I go to restaurants and I'm like, man, this restaurant got hit with a big ADA lawsuit. Now I'm here and I'm not trying to like be the enemy. I just want some oysters. Literally the place down the way. I just want some oysters and they have cool cocktails. I'm not trying to get a handout. I'm trying to get a handout of oysters. Man, remember we went to that 
terrible restaurant. I asked them what kind of oysters do you serve? And they said the little ones. And I was like, man, what kind of oysters do you have here? Oh, they're the little ones. I was like, where do we go from here? A long, Quite a while ago, I was talking to my friends and I recommended... Um, there are a couple, they were just talking about movies and stuff. You know, we like, what have you seen or whatever? And we recommended Million Dollar Baby. I recommended it. And I was like, you guys should see Million Dollar Baby. But then I got kind of, I thought about it and I was like, that has that weird euthanasia angle where it's like I'm disabled kill me and I I so I, I thought that was a little odd so I did a little googling right and then I found the disability studies quarterly from spring 2005 volume 25 number 2 Copyright 2005 by the Society for Disability Studies. I never heard heard of any of this, so it was like, great. I was like, there's a journal, the Disability Studies Quarterly, and there's a Society for Disability Studies. So I got to get deep into that. But they posted this, or as part of volume 25, number two, of the Disability Studies Quarterly, I cannot be like this Frankie. Disability, social class, and gender in Million Dollar Baby by Jay Dolmage and William DeGennaro, PhD, Department of English, Miami University. And they're kind of breaking down you know, her class, gender, and the body. It's a really interesting article. I'll, I'll add a link to it. But it, it kind of ends up, as Leonard Davis has written, what is universal in life, if there are universals, is the experience of the limitations of the body. You get in films like Million Dollar Baby and seemingly in every other ideological corner, we confront what Davis calls a fantasy of the perfection of the body and its activities. We cannot step into this ring alone. Kind of it's something about it it resonated, it rang, it harmonized with that idea that we all have a degenerative disease and it's life, right? Like, it's not... I've been writing poetry. I've been trying to submit poetry every day. I'll get to that. But one of the lines I've been writing is like, it's the name of the game is failure by regular operation that's kind of what he's saying limitations of the body so anyway i've been trying to submit poetry to journals trying to see if i can get some poetry published i've been writing poetry all my life i need to get ai to write a cover letter 
I've been trying to submit poetry every day to various journals. I've written plenty of poetry, so I've got plenty of it. I've been inspired by my friend Joe M. Wally, the poet Joe M. Wally. And I'll put a link to Joe's. Joe um, played guitar in my high school band, and I was like, okay, the guitar player can get his poetry published. I was a singer. I should be able to get my poetry published. So it's inspired by Joe, my competitive nature. I've been trying to submit poetry every day. And every weekday, every weekday, I should. It's not like I could spend my weekend submitting poetry. Kind of my idea was that if I did it on the weekdays, I could just keep at it, you know? So it's, I don't, you know, I've submitted poetry to maybe five publications so far. How far can I go with that? We'll see. How far can I go with this? I almost quit this, right? But people were like, it's good the AI can't summarize it. And AI, AI threw me off the game. I paid through the year. That's the bottom line. It's paid for. Jersey girl wrote in to say she listens to it like not intently. It can be just on like in the car. And I was like, okay, that's like radio. That's fine. You don't have to listen to this intently. How could you? How could you really go insane? Speaking of going insane, I failed to get the wheelchair lift. Okay, I don't have a hitch on my car, and I need that to connect the wheelchair lift to my minivan. So, duh, I am embarrassed. It was a waste of time. I kind of siloed the process to some degree and didn't get the hitch. We had this conversation, myself and the vendor, who's going to put the lift on the car about the hitch. She was like, do you have a hitch? And I'm like, I don't know. My car has leather seats. Like, it has a lot of stuff. So it probably has a hitch. No, it doesn't. Dude, just check. Go outside and look at it. It didn't have a hitch. So I called U-Haul. We've got an appointment next week to get the hitch on. So, you know, don't just guess with the hitch. I finished the books. I finished the 2021 Best Sports Writing. They used to be part of the Best American series, but they they stopped making it. So it's just called the Year's Best Sports Writing 2021 by Glenn Stout. Pretty good. I get them every year. I like reading them. The best American. Yeah, in 2020, they were like, we're not making it 2021. So they just started making it. Now I got to read 2022. I'll probably get a 2023 one at Christmas. So, gotta get cracking. 
I also finished The Late Americans by Brandon Taylor. The I didn't read the review very closely, I guess. And it said like it had a lot of bad sex or something like that in the New York Times. And I was like, oh, I'll read that. That sounds right up my alley. So I read it, but I, I didn't get the memo in that it's all gay sex. So it's like, haha, joke's on you. So I read that anyway. It was pretty good. It was about poetry in the shared and private spaces. This is from Penguin Random House from the publisher. In the shared and private spaces of Iowa City. Also, the Iowa City connection drew me in because I got people in Iowa City. So I was like... Gotta read that. So in the shared and private spaces of Iowa City, a loose circle of lovers and friends encounter, confront, and provoke one another in a volatile year of self-discovery. Among them are Seamus, a frustrated young poet, Ivan, a dancer turned aspiring banker who dabbles in amateur pornography. Fatima, whose independence and work ethic complicate her relationships with friends and a mentor. And Noah, who didn't seek sex out so much as it came up to him like an anxious dog in need of affection. A novel of friendship and chosen family, The Late Americans. It was pretty good by Brandon Taylor. It has a lot of gay sex. The warning. Warning. They should put a warning. But as I read it, I was like, I bet this is what gay people are like when there's straight sex in a book. They're like, oh, whoa. Whoa. That's all. Whoa. And then I finished it. It was a pretty good book. Brandon Taylor It kind of goes to show you, you can't judge an author by the author photo. He's like an African-American dude in a crew neck sweatshirt and glasses. He looks very normal, kind of overweight, just looks like a writer, right? But he's an African-American dude. I did not expect him to be gay. And then I was like, whoa, this is a gay novel. It kind of came up, whoa, and smacked me in the face. I was like, whoa, that's gay. So right now I'm reading Biography of a Phantom by Mac McCormick. Biography of of a Phantom, a Robert Johnson blues odyssey is musicologist Mac McCormick's all-consuming search from the late 1960s until... McCormick's death in 2015 to uncover Johnson's life story. But then his sis, in the meantime, his sister came out with a book. So it's like the introduction is 30 pages and it made me question why I was reading that book instead of the Brother Robert book by the sister. Brother Robert Growing Up with Robert Johnson by Annie C. Anderson. So then I was like, I should read that. 
I think that's all what's the matter with me. I'm going to have to check you next time. What's the matter with me is the best podcast. Check out Hopping Hot Sauce Indies on Amazon. AI can't figure this out. It's cool. Send me an email, john at hoppinworld.com. I'll send you, I'll give you a shout out. So send me that kite. John at hoppinworld.com give you the best shout out you ever had. So what's the matter with me podcast? Peace and I'm out.